Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The NHL is coming back. Return to play. CBA extension ratified today by the Board of Governors and by the players, 78.8% of the Players Association voting in favor. So we will roll into training camp next week. Teams will go to the Hub Cities on the 26th, and of course they will be Edmonton, Toronto. Edmonton gets the Conference Finals and the Stanley Cup Final exhibition games, one for each team between the 28th and the 30th. And then we go into the qualifying round. The Oilers will play Chicago August 1st, 3rd, and 5th, if necessary, on the 7th and 8th. The start times for those games still to be announced, and there will be, uh, you know, at the start, five games a day, some days with six games a day between Edmonton and Toronto. And so the start times, uh, mountain time, 10 a.m., noon, 2, 4.30, 6, and 8.30. Those could fluctuate by half an hour as we move through this, but there will be some very long and joyous days of, of watching hockey. Of course, we've all been missing that for a while. Uh, we'll continue this discussion, of course, uh, a little bit later on in the show. Plenty next week. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer and Inside Sports. I'm going to welcome back to the show the uh, coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team, Chris Morris. Chris, thanks for checking in tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for coming on. Man, we've been talking a lot uh, for the last few weeks, and uh, it's there's been some tough news for, for U Sports, for your team. There's not going to be uh, any football in U Sports. And now uh, another decision, which is, is tough to take for, for a lot of players. Chris, before we, we dive into this, let, let's give everybody the nuts and bolts. What is, what is the age rule? in U sports football to how old can a player be until he has to stop playing because of his age? Okay. So I'll, I'll give a little bit of background on it. Like essentially the age rule states that once you turn 25, so if you turn 25 before September 1st, which is the starting date of the season, that means you're ineligible to play that year. So football is the only sport in U sports competition where an age group, an age rule has been instituted. Now, the age rule was instituted many years ago because kids had had been going and playing five years of junior, and then went on to use their five years of university eligibility. And you know, there is some merit to having an age rule involved because you know you want to be able to come out of high school, go to university, take a degree, graduate in you know maybe five or six years, and be able to play. And that opportunity was disappearing a little bit because you had a bunch of kids that were in their late 20s or sometimes even in their early 30s they were taking up all of the spots on U sports rosters so the age rule was initially put in with the intent of just sort of of tempering tempering the league and making sure that there was an opportunity for younger players to have a chance to play all right so now a decision has been made because here's the thing that all the seasons that have been wiped out all the players have been told you won't lose a year of eligibility but now 
the older football players, correct me if I'm wrong, but they've been told, no, you're not going to be able to come back for a final year if you're turning 25? Yeah, so if you can imagine with, with everything that everybody's had going on with COVID and, and all the like the sacrifices people have made and the, you know, the government helping people out and everybody bending backwards to help each other out, U Sports, which is an organization whose number one mandate is to put the student-athlete first, has decided, the board of directors has decided that all of these players, and there's hundreds of them, will no longer be able to play. So they're, they're going to lose the ability to play in their last year of football. And not only are those guys going to lose the opportunity to play, all the kids who came into the league a little bit older, they're all going to lose one year of eligibility. So they'll lose the ability to play one of the years they normally would have been able to play. So 1,500 kids were impacted by this decision that, you, that the U Sports uh, board of directors made you know, and in my opinion, with very little consultation with with the stakeholders, very little consultation with the student athletes, no consultation with the coaches, just a just a very poor decision, right? Can you? I don't know. I'm not even sure how to ask. Like, what's their justification? And like, clearly, I, I, you don't agree with it. I, I I don't agree with it. But I assume they still have a reason. Like, what's the justification well, for doing this? That's the almost comical part of it, Reed, is that their justification is player safety. And if they, if they would have asked anybody who was around for the discussions when they initially put the age rule in, the issue of player safety came up as a minor sidebar of that discussion. The, the, players, the age rule was put in to create competitive balance or to restore competitive balance in the country. Because the Canada West teams had kids that were playing the five years of junior, then going and playing their five years of university, and, and some really old Canada West teams were consistently winning the Vanier Cup. So it was put in for that. There was one little sentence left in that rule change that talked a little bit about player safety, but it really was one of the, you know, it was a side issue. If they would have asked anyone, and there's really literally dozens of people who are still around the league right now who were involved in those discussions, they would have been able to identify the fact that that was the case. But in, in their process, which, you know, again, their guiding values are collaboration, consultation, all those things. When you sit in a room and just try to make the decision as a group of seven or eight people and, and really disregard the people who have been involved with the sport and working with these student athletes and been around for decades, you make poor decisions. And, and that's what's happened here. They haven't done due process here. And the decision they've made is, is really, really bad. It impacts over 1,500 kids in our league. And I'm telling you, Reed, there's going to be legal action by some of these kids. And I don't think they have a leg to stand on as far as U sports goes. How many uh, Golden Bears players does this affect? just under 10 so that's a significant chunk of your roster that you were hoping to bring back for one more year and now they've just been told they can't come back yeah it's uh it's you know our our starting quarterback it's you know our our starting middle linebacker our starting outside linebacker you know like it's it's and then that's not even it like there's there's a whole bunch of kids who should have two more years left the two best years of their career left now they only have one year left so it, it, it really is. And, and Reed, I'm going to say this. I don't care about the competitive piece of it. Like, everybody's going to lose some guys. This is the wrong thing to do to kids. Like, you, these guys came in and they trusted the league to look after them. They trusted us as coaches. They trusted that board to look after their best interest. 
and they got completely hosed. And I, you know, the the, the trust level here and and the the impact that that this board has had now on these kids, barring any sort of change to this decision, is it. It's so profound that you can't even really explain it. These kids came in, they planned their courses out, they're, they're on a path to graduate, they're, they're, they've done everything the right way, and then this COVID crisis hits, and everyone in the world is looking to bend over backwards to help people through this thing, and the youth sports board's response is to strip these kids of eligibility. It is the most asinine thing I've ever seen, and it is one of the most heartless things I've ever seen as well. So can it be reversed? I assume you're not the only coach upset about it. And like you said, there's hundreds of players upset about it. Can, can, is there a process to say, hey, let's change this back? Well, you know what the funny thing is? Mostly all of the athletic directors are upset. The coaches, so the 27 head coaches, we're all releasing a statement on Monday that's going to be a scathing statement that we all are opposed to this decision. All 27 U sports coaches. I would say the... the the vast, vast majority of all athletic directors, I know Canada West is opposed to this. I know Ontario is opposed to it. So it's just a matter of how in the world did these people think that they could make this decision in the absence of any sort of, again, in the absence of consultation and collaboration and all the things that they say they value and think that it was going to stick. And, read the reality is, like, if someone lawyers up here and gets legal aid and really challenges this thing, how like how can you justify that this is the only sport in the country, including wrestling, including rugby, including hockey, where there's an age restriction? Like there's no legal basis to that. And and the reality is, like if you look at if you look at football and the way it's run right now, we have lots of high schools playing. You ask you know ask the hockey team how many guys they have playing right out of high school. It's zero. Those guys are all right out of the WHL. They're all like high level guys who are borderline pros. It's a completely different league. And if, if hockey can run a league like that and it's safe, it's really, it's really hard for everyone around football to understand why there would be this rule that really prevents football from doing it. Now, philosophically, Reed, I do think we need an age rule. I do think kids that come in and, and you know, are on a path to graduate within the normal four or five years that, that they come to university, they have to have the opportunity to play. But this isn't about, this decision isn't about the age rule. It's about the board being so inflexible in such a catastrophic set of circumstances that it's asinine. It, it like, it, it's a worldwide pandemic. Everyone's affected. Economies are crashing. People are dying. And they go after these kids and take stuff from them. It's unbelievable. It is really, it's, it's impossible for me to understand. Chris, has this not caused you to uh, reevaluate or, or step away from a, a board you, you were on? What's happened there? Well, I, I was the president of the Coaches Association, and I also sat on the Football Technical Sports Committee. So the Technical Sports Committee is the committee of football experts who's supposed to guide youth sport decisions. We sat last month and unanimously said, we need to give these kids a break. We need to make sure we look after the student athletes. We need to do the right thing. And we were completely ignored. Again, as Kafka president, as the president of the Coaches Association, we were very strong in our advice to youth sports. They ignored us completely. So like, I, I've stepped down from those positions. I'm still working a little bit with the Kafka group to make sure we have a united front on this. But really, like, I can't continue. like. 
I can't continue on that football techno subcommittee when when U Sports makes their announcement saying that we're going to take away eligibility from kids, they cite that they've consulted with the football technical subcommittee. They didn't consult with us. They they let us meet, ignored what we said, and did whatever it is they wanted to do in the first place. So they didn't they didn't listen to us at all. They didn't listen to the coaches. So yes, I have. I've stepped down from those two from those two positions, which is unfortunate because there's lots of work that needs to be done in the in U Sports football. All right. Well, Chris, th- thanks for uh, filling us in. You've well, you've often you've offered clarity on on what happened, um, though I, I I still feel, and as you say, uh, why it's happened isn't uh, isn't clear to me and, and clear to you uh, and a lot of people. I, I should ask you otherwise. Look, I know you're dealing with the disappointment of a lost season. Uh, how, how have all how have all your guys been? Uh, how are they doing here? Is there getting through the summer and and you know it's a long way to look ahead towards the next time they play but how is the 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 team feeling for the golden bears under these unusual circumstances you know what reed the guys are the guys are rallying they're working their tails off they had a workout tonight and there were a bunch of guys that are working working like crazy the alumni are rallying around the fact that we need to raise some money over these next 18 months we have a we have a big virtual gala coming up on the 16th, and we've got close to 200 tickets sold already for that, and we anticipate being close to 300 if, if, if things go the way we're hoping. Um, there's lots of positive things going on. We're, we're, you know, we, we knew we had to really get to work with, with the government cuts and with the fact that COVID's impacted our fundraising. We've done lots of good things. We've got some good camps coming up in July that are already sold out. Lots of work's been done by my staff to, to work around the COVID regulations. One of my assistant coaches, Daryl Safransky, has done miracles to work around the regulations to make sure we can run some camps and, and give kids in the city some good football experiences. And, you know, Rick Walters is heading up our, our virtual gala. And it's, you know, we got Brad Kissel coming. Warren Moon's going to be a part of it. Um, Trevor Harris, Ricky Ray. Like, it's, it's a... It's a really, really cool thing. Uh, we're doing it all virtually, so you can, you know, you can sit and, and enjoy it in your own living room on the 16th of July. And you know, we've got lots of traction with it, lots of good things going on. So we're, you know, we're all working hard. We're, you know, we want this program to go. Uh, the kids want it to go. All the coaches are all in. We're, you know, we don't get to, you know, we don't get to play this year, but the season is coming. It's just coming a little bit later than we would all like. So we're preparing for that. Chris, I, I want to ask you one more because a couple of listeners uh, have just thrown a couple of texts in. I'll, I'll read what Trent says. Trent says, I want to be clear. I agree with Chris. I support Chris and the senior players. But just to play devil's advocate by grandfathering in these players, does that take spots away from the 18 and 19-year-olds? Well, you know what? The, the reality is that, that there's, very few, there's very few guys who come in out of high school and play um, the 18 and 19 year olds don't lose a year of eligibility through this at all. So they're going to have the opportunity to play. What we're talking about is a kid coming in, helping you build a program, working on his degree pathway, getting all through school, and having that one year left to play and having that taken from him. And you know right. what? And, and, and will, it, will it reduce the number of younger kids who get to play for that one year? Yes, it will. But for goodness sakes, you got to do the right thing. The guys that have been here for that period of time, they deserve to close the chapter on their youth sports career. You know, it, it's, it's just not right to take that from them for, for a set of circumstances beyond their control. It's not like they failed courses or didn't take care of business or didn't do things the right way. They've done everything right. They're good kids. They're leaders. You, you just can't take it from them arbitrarily. And, I, and I, I agree with, you know, I agree with Trent with what he's saying, like, 
about the fact that there's going to be some guys who don't get to play quite as soon, but you can't take that from the older players and, and say that it's right. It just isn't. It's not under, I'm not under these circumstances. Yeah. Chris, thanks for checking in tonight. Always uh, appreciate, uh, you know, what you bring to the Golden Bears and to the community, and you're, and you're always welcome on this show. And uh, l- let's keep following this story. Thanks for checking in tonight. Thanks, Reid. I appreciate you having us on. I think it's, it's really important that people understand what's going on with this thing. Yeah, right on. That is Chris Morris, head coach of the U of A Golden Bears uh, football team. So, yeah, I, Trent, I, I hope Chris uh, addressed what you were saying, but yeah, I, I mean, he explained the, the thinking behind the age limit in, in football and and why it's there and players who might play junior and then U sports. But, you know, I think if, if U sports wants to say you don't lose a year of eligibility, then you have to waive the, the age limit for for this one year so players can can get that year in we'll we'll see where this goes maybe the u sports is going to reverse that decision 780-496-0063 to call or text we have sean fitzgerald coming up uh, we'll go over if you're struggling to lose weight you've probably heard about weight loss medications like wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you meet plush care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All the the bullet points from the NHL announcement today, Inside Sports on Chet. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Uh, very passionate conversation with Chris Morris, head coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team. We'll keep an eye on that and see if maybe U Sports reverses that decision, uh, forcing some of the older players to uh, to not be able to come back and play next year. Of course, the U Sports football season has been wiped out by the pandemic. 780-496-0063 to call or text. The NHL is coming back. Coming back, everything ratified today, August 1st, Oilers and Hawks, Edmonton, a hub city for the duration of the playoffs. Edmonton will host the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final. Toronto will host the qualifying round and first two rounds of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Going to be fun. Going to be a lot of hockey, a lot of storylines to follow. And uh, the Oilers, who were having a pretty good regular season, especially the second half of the regular season, will be. Getting back at it. The second draft lottery to determine the first overall pick will be on August 10th. So the eight teams who lose in the qualifying round will go into that second draft lottery. Each team will have a one in eight chance. That is 12.5% to win the first. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
first overall pick. The actual draft, not till October 9th and 10th. It will still be done over two days. Also can mention the uh, Canadian Football League has submitted revised of a revised financial request to the federal government. Uh, a CFL source saying on Friday, the league seeking about $42.5 million in aid. In April, it had asked up to, uh, for up to $150 million in the event of a cancelled season. The CFL is hoping to play a shortened year, maybe as few as six games. There have been reports that Winnipeg would be a hub city. The CFL has not confirmed that. Sean Fitzgerald, senior writer for the Athletic Canada. Love talking to this guy. He's up after the 7.30 News. We'll take on the Chicago Blackhawks at Rogers Place. Game time TBA. We will have it for you on 630, Chad. NHL finalizing everything today. The CBA gets extended to September 15th, 2026. Players are going back to the Olympics once it gets rubber stamped by the IOC and the International Ice Hockey Federation. So there we go. Things are happening and more things will be happening once the puck actually hits the ice. Reed Wilkins with you at 734. Hey, uh, thanks to Chris Brentlinger-Grant, who produces 630 Ched Afternoons. I filled in for Jay Lynn today from 2 to 4. Chris uh, got some great guests for me to chat with during that time. Kellen Kennedy, who's back at the 630 Ched Broadcasting Compound, of course, the studio operator for that and for Inside Sports. Kellen, hope you've had a great week, buddy, and uh, hope you have a great weekend planned. Always a pleasure to work with you. Hey, it was a fun week. Uh, definitely fun having you in the afternoon. Uh, you know, your interview with Nick Pope, it's up on uh, the Afternoon News uh podcast feed and i urge everybody to have a listen to that because that is just eye-opening stuff and the ufo guy yeah, yeah he was the ufo awesome. guy for sure and you know the he answered the most important question how do you get a gig like that yeah who doesn't grow up wanting to be a ufo guy for their federal government and get paid that, for it that's what he got to be for a while yeah that was pretty cool speaking of unidentified flying objects I, i'm sorry sean it's the best segue i could i could come up with it's sean fitzgerald senior writer for the athletic canada how are you doing buddy I'm not going to be able to keep up with a UFO guy. I'm just going to hang up and listen when you tell me what I missed here with that UFO guy. <laughs> I tweeted it out. It was he was he was he was uh, he was pretty good. By the way, like I was typing, I got a web page where I type in who's going to be on the show every night, and I was like, oh, I got to check Sean's exact title because to me, you're just writer guy and a guy I like talking to, and it's like senior national writer. It makes you sound really old. But you're not. I am like pretty old. I something. am very old, and that's that's the whole reason. Uh, you, when you start in your 20s, you're a junior writer, and then when you get to that sort of Jurassic period where I am, you get to be senior writer. I don't know what comes after, but hopefully, I don't have to find out right away. <laughs> the, the, to the to the Jurassic period. How how old are your kids, by the way? Uh, they're nine and five. They're nine. So and what five, is so that's good. what is there? Because that made me think of Jurassic Park. Which for uh, one generation of kids, I mean, I was always, I was already an adult when it came out. But that, like, for me, it was Star Wars, the movie as a kid. For some kids, it's Jurassic Park or Lion King. What's the, what's the movie that's going to define your kids as they get older? Where they're going to be like, that's the first movie I loved when I was three or four years old. 
Yeah, you know what? They haven't really hit it yet. The the nine-year-old's into sports and is, is too twitchy to sit down and watch a whole movie. And the five-year-old, it's a little bit concerning because she sat down and she's watched, like, like Constantine. You remember that movie with uh, Keanu Reeves where he fights demons and oh, stuff? Yeah, like geez, she, was, yes. she was five and she just sort of sat there eating popcorn watching Constantine with me. So that was a little bit off-putting. Hopefully that isn't the movie that defines her youth because that's going to be an own goal on me. Way to go, Dad. <laughs> Well, we know you're a great dad because you coach and stay involved and all that uh, all that kind of fun stuff. So do you, are you going into the bubble? Are you going to be a bubble boy for Toronto? You know are they going to send you here? Yeah, they, they, um, there's still that possibility. Uh, again, because I have the two small kids and we do have the life insurance policy, and my wife would love me to go for sure. Um, but I'm not 100% sure how that's going to shake down yet. It's it is interesting, though, because all you do is it'd be like covering the Briar or the Scotties, right? Like you show up at 6 a.m. and there's a game to cover, and then, you know, you turn around, and then there's another game to cover, and then you turn around, there's another game to cover, and then all of a sudden it's three months later and you're, you don't know where you are or what happened to your pants. Um, I mean, that, that's an interesting possibility there. Okay, well, yeah, that's good. But well, it wouldn't have the social aspect of the Briar, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you sort of have to make your own party there. There'd be no sociable. Uh, but, yeah, like, it is going to be something that we've never seen before. And, and frankly, I mean, don't get me wrong, when you see that schedule, I mean, for both hub cities, when you, you see the potential and you look at training camps starting on Monday and then, you know, on the 26th, they go into the hub cities and then, oh, my God, it starts. But holy jumping, I mean, you take a look at what's going on you know, and again, I understand it's in Florida, but like you still got to get NHL teams to Canada from some of these places that we are now watching on the news um, that are just going through real dire situations, like real hot spots. Um, and, and you just have to wonder, like when that testing starts to ramp up, how many positives is that going to uncover? And, you know, what is the percentage chance that, you know, we're going to get here sort of a I don't want to say a state of elation because we're still in a pandemic and everything sucks. But, like, are we going to get to that first game on August 1st? I, I still feel like it's a 50-50. There's just way too many variables. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I will say this. I mean, I had John like Shannon on earlier. from Dallas, people coming up from St. Louis, like four blues tested positive because they right. went to a bar a couple of weeks ago. Like, like, you know, it's not like, you know, the Canucks are coming in from Dr. Bonnie Henry territory in BC, and you know that they're coming in from a place with a relatively low rate of infection. Like, you've got folks who are going to be coming into these hubs from all over the place after, you know, two weeks of training camp. And, you know, are they adhering to any, you know, safe social distancing in their markets? Can it even be possible in some of these markets in the United States where teams are going to be coming where, you know, the rates of infection are just through the roof? Um, can you possibly be safe? So I think that that, that could, I hate to say this because people need some good news, uh, but I, I do wonder, you know, when this testing really starts to ramp up, like what rate of positive testing are we going to start to see? Well, and I had John Shannon on earlier. A Friday. I'm sorry. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's, I, it's okay. We should have talked about the UFO it's, guy. It's okay. <laughs> We might still do that. But, yeah, I mean, John Shannon said that the ne the next two weeks are huge. The, the, the next two weeks are huge. I, I think I'm a lot more optimistic than, than, than you are, uh, and, and maybe I'm just dumb. I don't know. But, no, no, but not I, at all. But no, I mean, and, and, yeah, it's possible. But you just look at the, you know, the, the, the MLS. And, again, 
you know, there are questions about whether those two, you know, two MLS teams, Major League Soccer teams, have had to withdraw from their their big tournament, on which uh, I believe the game is going on right now. Um, but you know, because you know, there were holes in the bubble. Now, were they were they in the bubble uh, when these tests were were positive? Um, you know, was that you know, were the infections sort of you know acquired before they got into the bubble? Maybe. Um, you know, the NBA is going to be a really interesting test now, moving into you know Orlando. But I mean, you've got you know Dallas, you've got all of these teams that potentially would come in, and they're not from from places that have rates of infection that would be like what you're seeing in Edmonton or Toronto, which, you know, while still not zero, are are certainly something closer to manageable. What was your view of how this played out and, and i mean look you you live in 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 toronto but i mean clearly you you understand the national landscape you're you're not a, an edmonton or a western basher by any means what was your view of how this played out? like were you kind of one of these people where it's like why have they already not picked edmonton or like what were you thinking as this as this went along well i mean as this went along it seemed almost like a slam dunk if you remember you know low those many weeks ago in may and june um, <laughs> Like, it seemed like Vegas was going to be a lock. Like, it had the hotel capacity. It had the mayor who was on Anderson Cooper on CNN, like, 36 seconds after COVID hit our shores saying, hey, we got to reopen the casinos. Like, they were going to be a welcome host. And that seemed like it was going to be the big issue, right? Like, you know, there's no way you'd want to come to Canada. Um, But then, again, you see this this wave of infections across Nevada. And then you see what happens in Florida. And then eventually... You know, the NHL starts running out of, you know, viable options in the United States and, and kind of has to cast their lonely gaze back up to Canada. And, you know, when Bonnie Henry says, no, your plan's not going to work here in B.C., I mean, you know, Toronto and Edmonton, uh, they don't look so bad, do they? Sean Fitzgerald joining us today at Inside Sports, uh, senior national writer for The Athletic. Always a pleasure to have him uh, on the program. I mean the 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 the, the playoffs themselves, the, the the tournament. Somebody didn't like earlier that I was calling it a tournament, but it still is. <laughs> a, it's it's it still is a tournament. You know, and I, I I didn't mention this earlier. I should because it is. There's there's still an advantage there for the four teams that are going to play the qualifying round because they're only going to play three games in nine days. And some of the other teams might have to play five and nine. So I do appreciate that they did that. Those those teams fighting for seeding won't have to play as many games. They probably won't be as intense. And there's less factor of fatigue and possible injury for those teams. I'm talking Vegas, Dallas, St. Louis, Colorado in the West, the higher ranked yeah. teams. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean... There's, you know, Bruce Cassidy, I think, is, was talking about this, about, you know, who do you dress for that? Like, for some of those games, like, is it is it just sort of the Black Aces cavalcade? Um, just because, you know, the, 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 the stakes are pretty low. Uh, that being said, I mean, you'd almost want to treat that a bit like a, a series of exhibition games because, I mean, there's going to be such intensity that, you know, you think about guys coming out of training camp and and, you know we think about all the stories in a normal non-pandemic year if anybody can remember a non-pandemic year i sure as hell can Uh, but of all the stories that we write and read and hear about well if you know so and so misses 30 hours of training camp then you know they're going to be more liable to suffer injuries soft tissue injuries like i think that 
you know, if this all goes according to plan, and knock on wood it does, that, you know, those soft tissue injuries, the, the groin pulls, the hamstrings, all of that stuff, it's going to be really interesting to watch because these guys are going to be going from, you know, more than 115, 120 days of just trying to work out on your own to two weeks of, a, of an uncertain training camp to boom, right in it. I think, you know, whoever remains healthiest, um, especially off the hop, it's going to be a huge advantage because nobody's done anything like this before. Hey, I want to talk to you too about the Canadian Football League. Uh, you've always followed that very closely. We, we talked about it last time you were on because you were on the day uh, Randy Ambrosi gave that uh, the, the the Zoom pitch to to uh, to the finance committee. And now the the story is that the the CFL kind of settling on a on about a forty two and a half million dollar aid package um you know they, they'd originally thrown out the number uh, 150 man like the latest is maybe a six game season in winnipeg with <laughs> almost everybody making the, the the playoffs that that would be an, an interesting solution this it, they got to decide pretty soon right i mean if they're going to have a training camp and set everything up they I, I would think they have to decide by the end of the month yeah they have a they have a, a sort of a two-week in two weeks, they hit their sort of soft, unofficial deadline. Like, like that's the thing, is that you're looking at Winnipeg as a hub city. Um, you're looking at, you know, and we're starting to see it here in Toronto today, as a matter of fact, that, you know, the Blue Jays are at Rogers Center. And, you know, it, they're not allowed to leave Rogers Center, right? That's their hub. They're, they're having their, their summer training. So they, they work out down on the field and they stay in the hotel that's connected in the stadium. And they are not supposed to leave there um, for two weeks because they, they just got here, so they have to quarantine. Um, you know, one player tweeted today that, um, you know, because the story was that, you know, if, if Major League Baseball does have them, you know, going to travel on the road and then has Tampa or whoever else come in, that, you know, when they cross the border and come home, they have to quarantine in the stadium for two weeks. So in the effect of a Major League Baseball season, that means, you know, for the entirety of their home schedule, they're going to be quarantined in Rogers Center. And one of the players said, whoa, wait a second, that's not cool. So this is all a very roundabout way of saying that, you know, I think the reality of these hub cities, of these, you know, staying in the the arena and the hotel, it, it sounds neat when nobody's had sports for months and months. But when you get to the reality of just living in a hotel and a rink and, you know, maybe a couple of little baubles here and there, it's going to be really tough, and it would be tough on anybody. Um, so I think the CFL, by going to a, a six-game and then into the playoffs, part of that would have to be the understanding that, you know, you can't keep people in a bubble for that long. It's just it, it becomes untenable. Is baseball going to finish the season? No. Not at all. It's impossible. I mean, you're going to be, you're telling me you're going to have teams crisscrossing on planes, you know, crossing through normal, you know, regular everyday people like you and me, except in the United States where this thing is raging out of control in so many areas. And you're going to tell me that you're going to maintain safe bubbling for all of them? No. I think, I mean, in a strange way, because, you know, we do kick on the NHL quite a bit in this country. Uh, the NHL, again, knocking on wood, might have this right. Because what they've done, in effect, is picked two, again, knocking on wood, fairly safe cities as it relates to where we are with these infections. And they're going to bubble them. And they're not going to have them venture out and do anything. And they're going to have them, you know, out there in Edmonton and here in Toronto. 
if you're going to tell me that you're going to have a major league baseball team going from city to city in airplanes, even though they're charters, going through airports where they could cross against, you know, service workers or anybody who might be carrying an infection, the rate, the risk just seems so much higher. Yeah, I'm with you with baseball. I'm, I'm I'm quite skeptical they're going to be able to pull it off, even though it's about as short as possible a season that uh, you could imagine. Uh, I got, of course, uh, as we always do, the excellent book, uh, Before the Lights Go Out, is still available. Are you going to write another book? You should just keep churning them out. I had Ken Reed on earlier. He's like up to six. Yeah, the problem is I picked this one book, and all of a sudden, like, we just absolutely picked the most literal title in the history of the world. I feel like... <laughs> Like, the lights are out now, right? So, like, before the lights go out, the lights are out. I don't know if I want to abuse that power. Like, God knows what happens if I pick the next title and the thing comes true. That, that's a great point, and I, with I, great I, I power. I so guilty. With great yeah. power comes great responsibility, as Uncle Ben taught us all. So I'm just going to start writing about UFOs, because that sounds way more interesting than anything we well, are talking about right here. You should go listen to that interview I did. It's on my Twitter account. Hey, I'm thanks gonna go for look at it right now. Thanks for checking in, Sean. You're the best senior writer with the Athletic Canada. We'll do this again. Enjoy the bubble or wherever life takes you. 100%. You enjoy your weekend and be well, be safe. We'll talk down the road. All right. That is one of the good guys, Sean Fitzgerald. Get him on Twitter, Sean, S-E-A-N, and then it is Fitz underscore Gerald. Uh, always love his perspective. It is coming up to 10 minutes before 8. We're into our final few minutes of the week. Back after the break. for tuning in tonight so it's all official nhl return to play cba extension now here's what's going to happen tomorrow 11 a.m there's going to be one of the zoom conference calls with the nhl and the players association so if you keep it on 6 30 chet and global news radio 880 we'll have some audio from that and then at noon it'll be the oilers the oeg conference call bob nicholson gary bettman premier kenny mayor iverson will be involved in that so a lot of the uh, principals in oeg and edmonton becoming a hub will be speaking tomorrow at uh, at around noon of course a uh, big story training camp launching next week we'll have you covered on inside sports and oilers now with bob stoffer as we count down to actual competitive hockey games at rogers place and back on 6 30 chat we've been asked a lot i want to emphasize it it's all systems go as 6.30 Chet as the rights holder for the Oilers. We will be broadcasting Oilers games. Now, look, a lot of people have asked, well, do you just get to broadcast all the games? That's not how it works. You know, individual teams get to broadcast their games. Uh, we can't just pick up any game we want just because it's at Rogers Place. Now, in past playoffs, as I'm sure many of you will, we, we will know, we do carry the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final. And here's the beauty of it. If the Oilers are in those, well, then we would just carry those as, as part of being the Oilers broadcaster on the radio. So uh, anyway, we're going to have games. We don't know the start times yet. We know the Oilers in Chicago play on August 1st, 3rd, and 5th. And then if necessary, on August 7th and 8th. Players have until 5 p.m. Eastern on Monday to opt out of 
coming back to play. And uh, as we've mentioned in the past, there would be no punishment, uh, no fine, no reason need to be given. If, if a player does not feel like he wants to take part in the qualifying round, in the playoffs, then uh, he can just say no and doesn't have to do it. That's happened several with several players in baseball, including Buster Posey, catcher for the San Francisco Giants, outstanding player. He has said, I'm not going to play when the season gets going. So I, I don't know if there will be uh, a lot of NHLers. I, I think they would all like a chance to, at the Stanley Cup, though there could be some family issues, some underlying health issues, and and maybe some players wouldn't uh, would, would choose not to play. But they have until 3 o'clock Mountain Time on Monday to opt out. All right. We're winding her down for the week. It has been uh, it has been an interesting week. We finally got the NHL announcement. We had some great discussion about the future of the Edmonton Eskimos name and a lot of fun guests as well. All right. So, uh, yeah, keep it here tomorrow. We'll have reaction, uh, more reaction from a lot of people about Edmonton being a hub city here on 630 Chet. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Happy birthday to Dave, by the way. And Kellen Kennedy is your studio operator. Get more on the Inside Sports page on 630Chet.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Such a pleasure to bring you the show. Have a great weekend. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.